Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Hello and welcome to Secret Artists podcast. I'm your host Annie McGraw. And you're in for an absolute treat today, if I may say so myself. I'm joined by Richard Todd, who's an excellent comedian and artist with a unique and fascinating personal life, which seems to have always been intrinsically linked to art. One thing I will say is that we had some slight technical issues, which I'll try not to bore you with, um, but it's something to do with Richard's Bluetooth earphones and or Zoom and or microphone and or laptop. Means there might be some times where it sounds like we're down a well, but I promise you we're not. But largely the audio is good and has been recovered by the technical wizard producers who understand these things far better than I do. Um, I really love talking to Richard about Loads of things, his uh, destructive time at art college, smashing up sculptures, his job working for Alistair Gray on his murals, his relationship with his twin brother, and loads more. It was really interesting to hear about the 240 project where Richard uses art to work with people who have been affected by homelessness and exclusion. He's so knowledgeable, he's so experienced, he's so funny. What an episode. So, enjoy. Richard Todd is an award-winning comedian, writer and illustrator, described by The Skinny as absurdist and unique. He wrote Spatula Head, an animated short commissioned by Channel 4 for their Random Acts programme. The film went on to be selected for a number of film festivals worldwide and was nominated for Best Animation at the Royal Television Society Northeastern Border. Richard works with vulnerable and socially excluded adults, facilitating art workshops and organising selling exhibitions. In 2019, he was selected as one of The Big Issue's top 50 changemakers. I'm a big fan of Richard's drawings and I'm very excited about having him on the podcast. That is excellent. That's a that uh, that uh, I mean it's it's good it's good for my ego. Oh, good. Yeah, I am. Um, I used to have Mainly a friend who did who did the same job at me because I'm not very good at talking myself up. Mm. And every time we were out and someone said, "What do you guys do?" she would say what she did, and I'd think, "Wow, that is amazing! <laughs> uh, what you, what she does is so good." And then I think, "Oh." You do the same thing, yeah. but uh, she'd be like, "Oh, I do this, 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 and this," and then I'd be like, "Yeah, I just do a few art things." Yeah, it's easier to big other people up than yourself. Yeah, but she was uh, she was good at hyperbole, right? Her glass was like it's not. It wasn't even half glass half full, glass half empty. Her glass was just like 
constantly overflowing. <laughs> Spilling all over the floor. Yeah, it's like a fountain just gushing out and then refilling, gushing out and refilling. My just, yeah, it's a little bit. My my <laughs> my glass, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I've got a glass. <laughs> I, I just let you know I have got a glass. Um, I could see behind you already this beautiful drawings. Those are yours, aren't they? Yeah, they are, but I did not put, uh, like, that's not... This is my girlfriend's house. She put them up. I'm, I'm not judging you for having them hanging. I just was admiring them. Yeah, they I know. So I, did, nice. I, did, I, know, I know there's a kind of thing with Zoom calls where you kind of, um, like, wait, if you're good at them, you kind of create the environment that represents, like, a, an environment that represents your personality almost. <laughs> yeah. I, I, don't, I don't normally do that. Um, uh, but for this, I, I actually sat here because I did another podcast and it went well. And I sat in this spot and I thought, uh, like, I was going to sit somewhere else, but then I thought, no, sit in that spot. It might have good energy. Are you quite a superstitious person? Not really. Well, I mean, I say not really, but I am sitting in the same spot because it went well last time. So not that I'm um, going to say exactly the same things. I've got endless tales to tell. Yeah? Well, few. I want, well, I want to know about your drawing. So were the ones behind you, are they portraits based on real people? Yeah, I used to, I sent you like for this one, like a tiny Polaroid. Mm. I used to draw like, um, draw from old photographs. Like I gra- gather my mum, all the old photos from my grands and mothers, but you couldn't really see the heads on them. It's like, just, you know, like tops like a centimeter so i used to just like gazing and trying to imagine what every what the rest of, like what the details were mm. and i used to have the i had this pretentious notion that i was actually were like just getting to their essence like you know <laughs> kept staring and staring until i thought right and i i used to draw so i wasn't looking at the paper so like i wouldn't look mm. at the paper when i drew them because i thought if you're um you don't don't look at the paper. Just look at the photo. Just really gaze into it and see what they're per- like. If they're sneering, and some of them would come out. Yeah. Look, like my gran often came out looking really nasty. Like uh, <laughs> like she was like horrible and um, like was really she? nice. But I used to think, wow, that's what you are deep down. The um... <laughs> <laughs> did you ever show her your pictures? My gran never saw my pictures. Um, I don't think really anyone did. I just tend to, I have a terrible habit of just casting them, throwing them over my shoulder. And um, that's why they're all usually quite crumpled. And um, I just, I'm not very good at promotion, um, Mm. self-promotion or the promotion of other people. (laughs) Anyone within my vicinity is doomed, (laughs) doomed to be, have have their virtues unacknowledged. I think you're an amazing drawer. I love your pictures so much. Well, it's kind of interesting because when I I did fine art, I did sculpture at university, um, but they used to say, even though you're doing sculpture, we see you as a drawer. Um, And uh, so they kind of made me draw quite a lot. So I had, every time I did a sculpture, they'd say, draw it. Um, As if... um, (laughs) I guess the sculptures weren't quite up to scratch. The, so um, what were your sculptures like? What, ah, did you do figurative good, actually, stuff? I was having a bit of a nervous breakdown throughout university. And now when I reflect, I think, ah, oh, they're pretty good. Um, if only you weren't having a breakdown. Yeah. My sculptures were made out of like found up, like they're assemblages, you know, I just go out to the junkyard and buy like old rocking horses and things and make kind mm. of weird assemblages. Um some of which I now reflect were quite good, but I um, 
I had a I had a bit of a breakdown in the third year of university and um just went in one day and just started smashing everything. Like um so I would it's quite funny my sculpture area. If you it would be more interesting as a piece of um like performance art because I would just yeah. trawl around my like kind of lurch around my sculpture area holding the limb of an item like because i made figures so i'd be holding yeah. like, i might be holding the leg of an old sculpture and then i'd be ask someone um the usually the person who's working opposite me say i'd say what do you think of this sculpture <laughs> it's quite funny because you'd see a look of terror in their eyes um <laughs> i remember one time she said it's good, but obviously needs a bit more work. And before she finished the sentence, I was just beating the sculpture into pulp with the leg of a previous sculpture. It was kind of, yeah, like I said, it's been better filmed as performance art because by the end, the tutors just came in and said, Richard, the fight, we're coming to the fight, like the degree show, you've got to build something. Yeah. The lair of the creek, like the Hydra, I think it is, in Jason and the Argonauts or something, mm. where there's just bones of uh, everyone. <laughs> the bones of all the sculptures that have tried to enter my lair, <laughs> you know. I would have thought at art college they would love that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Like, the, to... the tutors did quite like me, yeah. to the annoyance of everyone else, because everyone yeah. else just saw me for what I was, um, a person. <laughs> just a nightmare to share a studio with. <laughs> Yeah, a person creating no work, having a tantrum and bit frequently at the pub and t- like all afternoon and I come in on the <laughs> evening in a rage. The, um, I think they thought eventually if we nurture this, this, this is real art, this is a real artist and if we nurture it, it will become something. The thing was I kind of mastered the kind of tortured part of art without actually yeah. mastering the art part of art. So you're quite a destructive artist because I was when I think of your drawings I think they're so like thoughtful and I imagine you quite calmly sketching them out but but it doesn't sound like that at all. Whenever I do something precise I kind of look at it with a sense that there's nothing really of me in it. Hmm. I, that's why I've, re- I've reverted to using ink pens and splats at the moment because I can um, I, I tend to start the drawing with some aggressive marks okay, and then try to pull some kind of um yeah start with chaos and then try to find some order. And and have you ever like torn up or burnt your drawings yeah actually i've just moved house and uh my, <laughs> there's a bit i put a bit uh mass <laughs> two big bin bags of drawings out the front oh no <laughs> so sad to hear <laughs> yeah well my friend came around and said and went through the bin bags um picking out bits that he wanted to keep himself oh good i mean it wasn't on par with someone like uh, i mean you know i don't i think if he's hoping that they're ever going to become you know very valuable as he was picking them out i did feel like pulling them out of his hands and saying no no i actually want that one god my art teacher always said never throw anything like if occasionally i'd like throw work away and he's like never do that always keep everything i say i'm quite bad i think um i i'm ter- terrible with, like telling everyone that they shouldn't be precious about like uh, when i work with the guys I work with at the homeless project, like it's not, I say I call it homeless project. It's not actually, it's just vulnerable adults. Some of them are mm. homeless, but some of them are not. Some of them have um, supported housing and things. But mm. I, I constantly try to encourage them, like when they're doing a drawing and they think it looks perfect. And that I'm saying that, you know, the problem is like you, you're protecting your drawing now. You've got to ruin yeah. it, like just destroy it. 
I do have a history of just um, <laughs> the, yeah. So they so I do kind of think. Well, I mean, alternatively, you could say this is brilliant. Yeah, there's a happy middle ground somewhere, I think. Oh, yeah, but I just... um... I'm going to start painting, by the way. Sorry to cut you off, but are you starting to draw? I'll start to draw now, if you want. Yeah, let's start and keep chatting. All right, I'm going to start with some fingerprints. I've become interested in fingerprints. Oh, I love that. No one's ever done that before. I mean, on this podcast. So is it the 240 project yeah, that you I work to, at? I got that job when I came to London. I can't, My friend worked there and said, if you want to move to London, I can get you a job. I was yeah. working in uh, as a mural painter in Glasgow, actually. Oh, cool. But I've become quite disillusioned with everything. Mm. I was working with a, quite a famous Glaswegian artist um, called Alistair Gray. Oh, yeah. He's quite re- like a big, big writer in Glasgow. Um like big Scottish writer, is like a war. He was my tutor on creative when I did creative writing. Okay, he's quite an interesting guy. He gave me a job. Yeah. There, that's him. Yeah, yeah, that's the mural I helped him on. Oh, amazing! Yeah, the, uh, oh, the Alistair Gray in front of these tigers at the Oran Moor. I'll tell you something about the tigers at the Oran Moor. It's quite funny. Um, when he was doing, when we were painting those tigers, a woman came in. And uh, an old woman, and she said to us, because the building was open and we were painting this mural, and the old lady said to us, um, what's, um, what is what is that? And Alistair <laughs> said, well, what, do you, what does it look like? And she said, well, I think it looks like a bloody disgrace. <laughs> and I did kind of fail because I thought, oh, God, I think it's pretty bad too. Um, I, I'm with the old woman. We were painting... If that, I worked on that one too. That's very good. Oh, Jonah wow. and the Whale, the story of Jonah yeah, and the Whale. Cool. When we were painting some of the things in the Oran Moor, we were painting with Hammerite. Don't know if you've ever painted with Hammerite. No. What is it again? Because it was in a foyer with like, he wanted it to be hard wearing. Mm-hmm. So we were using Hammerite, which is like a kind of heavy duty paint for fences and gates mm-hmm. and iron. But the thing is, it's so hard wearing. We were trying to paint these lines and the hammerite just kept ripping all the bristles out the brushes. So the painting <laughs> kind of had the... So we spent half the time just walking around, picking our paintbrushes out of the pe- pe- um, the mural. Oh, no. When I first got the job with Alistair, I had an interview with him at his house. <laughs> it's quite yeah. funny. Because um, he's quite an old chap. He's quite ex- he's really nice, but he's quite eccentric. So what's the interview process for... Um... Being part of a mural. He project. was uh well the interview process. I went round one morning and he was um he was in his dressing gown. It was in his house, so Yeah. And as we were getting interviewed as I was getting interviewed, we sat opposite facing each other in a um like in armchairs just by the fire. <laughs> what were you wearing? As well, I, I I decided to put clothes on. I was I, if I'd known we were wearing dressing gowns, I would have um, <laughs> were dressed for the occasion. The, um, but um, as he was talking to me, um, obviously he was naked under the dressing gown, and as uh, he was talking to me, his um, his genitals started to slip uh, over the <laughs> oh. over his chair, just oh kind of God. creeping out from under his dressing gown, kind of like when you. Crying like early on in a horror film when you see a creature <laughs> just kind of slowly reveal itself and then disappear. Um, yeah. And they kind of just kept sinking into view and then retracting from sight. Um, and I was just trying to talk to him and desperately trying to 
avoid looking down. I kind of developed a kind of um, protective... I put my hand up to shield me from in, inappropriate... So how many of you would work on, like, the mural of... Um... This is Jonah and the Whale. How many people would work on that? Would it just be you and Alice? He painted it years ago, and then he, um, then he, like I said, he's quite, he's kind of similar to me in that he wasn't like very precious about the his work. And anyway, it a woman moved into this flat in Glasgow. Mm. She started taking the old wallpaper down and found that mural underneath the wallpaper. Oh, wow. So she. Um, commissioned Alistair, found out who did it, and then commissioned Alistair to go back and um oh and tart it then repair it where it'd been broken. Yeah. I he I was working I was his student at the time mm -hmm. and he asked me, said to me, Do you want to come along and help me? Because I'd well, pleaded cool. with him to give me a job. And um so I went in and helped he um, for the and afterwards, he paid me something like um, five pound an hour because he hadn't <laughs> employed someone for that long, and he was oh. uh, <laughs> and I was aghast. I was like, I can't afford because he said, "I will, I will offer you, I will offer you more work and in an upcoming in one in a mural that I'm doing in future." And I thought, God, I can't afford to work for five pound an hour. The um, I didn't want to tell him about the like the future <laughs> you know how times have changed um well one thing that's shit so that but he was a good guy and um when yeah. the mural came about it turned out he paid me exactly what he got paid so i got got a grand total of 15 pound an hour oh yeah pretty good. big pretty big step yeah. up because i've been working yeah. at a green i was working in a green grocer at the time Mm. And Alistair came into the greengrocer's one day whilst I was behind the till and said, you may quit this ghastly job for I have work for you. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I think he thought I would just throw aside the oranges that I was putting in a bag <laughs> and just say, screw this job, Biden. And I was like, right, well, I'll finish the shift first, Alistair. <laughs> and they're actually paying me more than five pounds yeah. an hour here. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, on five quid now, five quid is not an amount that's going to make you do a grand gesture. You know, it's not no. like a lottery win where you say, screw <laughs> this. Screw you and your rules, Tom. I'm out of here. How did you find doing murals, which are obviously incredibly permanent pieces of art as someone who's used to destroying everything? All oh, right. Issue? Well, I mean, Alistair design. I, they were Alistair's designs. I was pretty much just helping him draw them on. And um, to a degree, I was just colouring in. I was like, there was a point where I thought, God, I could have stopped my education when I was a child. Um, and just as long as I can keep in the lines, I'm all right. So can you talk to me about this paint, this photograph that you've chosen for us to Well, me, I, like I said, I quite like drawing. I thought I'd pick it for because I quite like drawing from all photos, especially small ones where you can't quite see all the details because I kind yeah. of fill in the gaps. This is, um, this is, this is my gran. This is me and my brother, my twin brother on my, our birthday. Um, as you can see, we've got quite a lavish feast before us. Aww. I didn't know you were a twin. Yeah. The, um, so which one's the, you and which one's him? I've weirdly got the straight hair and I'm accepting something off my gran. I don't know what. Well, it looks like oh, yeah. probably jelly or something. The, uh, yeah. I mean, you can see it's quite... It, it's from the, it's from 1980, I think. And um, 
the you can pretty much see from looking at the table that there is not one healthy item on that table. Um, I mean, it's just cake and Swiss. Essentially, delicious. Yeah, it's essentially um, eight different kinds of cake. Um, Yeah, you would never get that nowadays. Um, But uh, and the other people at the thing is my older sister. Mm. She's ducked down in front of my grandma. Yeah. And Claire Gray and Michael Gray. Now, Claire Gray and Michael Gray are interesting because Claire Gray, we used to, our family and their family used to hang around together. Mm. It, this sounds a bit EastEnders, but um, <laughs> eventually my mum and dad would divorce and Claire Gray's mum and dad would divorce and then mm. my mum would marry and their dad, um, wow. Frank, and then I would call, I would refer to them as Frank and mother, like some kind of um, strange creation. Um, so the people in this picture turned out to be step-siblings of yours. Oh, yeah, I'd never thought of them as that. I don't think they're, they're, they're quite spoiled individuals, although I did quite fancy Claire when I was a kid, so could have could have got even more EastEnders on us, or could yeah. have got... Um, I guess if there's no blood, it's... It but, um, yeah, but, uh, with the... Um, I've drawn my brother with quite a squashed head. Is your twin brother directly next to you in the picture? Yeah, with a smug look on his face, the smug look that says, one day I'm going to get some money out of this kid. Um, <laughs> when my stepdad Frank died, my mum we went to see my mum, and it's just a funny, almost it's phonetically it was quite a funny thing because she said, um, "Right, David, Frank," almost just like a kind of pop in tea time discussion. Um, mm. She said, "Right, David, um, Frank's left you the car, and Richard, he thought you might like his cardigan, and um, and David inherited David inherited the car, and I got a cardigan." <laughs> And I thought, God, it was all, they're almost sounded the same, but they feel so different now. They, uh, <laughs> was it a nice cardigan? Was it a very I mean, valuable it felt, one? It feels weird walking around, um, hanging out with, like, you know, seeing your mum wearing her her former husband's cardigan, you know. Um, so I didn't, I can't say I wore it that much. Yeah. It's the kind of cardigan I might have worn more now. It's the kind of cardigan that is like, it's a pro, you probably get the, that kind of cardigan in a shop now and they say it's it sell it as something like a kind of oversized. Retro. Yeah, oversized retro kind of. And what was the car? It's quite a good car. I can't remember what kind it was. I'm not very good with that kind of stuff, but. Uh, I tell you what, it was um, had more wheels than the cardigan. He's <laughs> <laughs> on good terms with your brother. No, like we're not. I wouldn't say we're violent. We're we're not enemies, um, but mm. we don't really we don't do much to say keep contact. So was he never into drawing? Drawing was like your way. No, he he's uh, he likes drawing, but he's kind of he's he's more into the war. Um, he did speed dating one time, and his his opening line to everyone was, "What's your favorite war?" It's <laughs> quite an icebreaker, isn't it? I mean, yeah, <laughs> you find out, yeah, yeah, you're not playing, you're not kind of pussyfooting around. You just get going straight in. Like <laughs> I'm either finding the woman of my dreams here, or I'm finding no one. <laughs> What's his job now? He works for the post office. Okay, meeting the community. 
asking them what their favourite war on. All right, Beryl, what's your favourite war? <laughs> no, not the, the war on terror. That's the wrong answer. It's the First World War. There is a right answer here. The First World no War. No place for you. Yeah, no no love fit. He, you're not going to win his heart. He's, a, he's, an odd, he's quite a good drawer, actually. Um, but he, he's kind of steadfastly against the notion of art mm. i asked last time i saw him was for my my grand's my mum's birthday sorry and um he said he took real umbrage if i went because he said he was going to deal with the breakfast and i said Did you? and when we got there we'd hired a, mm. a little hot cottage in york and at breakfast time there's like just a pile of sausages. I've never seen such a big pile of sausages. <laughs> but when he and I said, "Is there any, did you, is there any cereal?" and he took really, he took really, really angry at me, like I was trying to ruin, <laughs> ruin his moment. But um, I did think, how many, how many sausages, how many varieties of sausages do you want? Can you offer before people say, right, I get the idea. It's sausages. How many sausages are we talking? Um, just, uh, there's about four platters of sausages. Imagine that picture. Imagine the picture in uh, that we're drawing, but replace every yeah. cake with a sausage. Um, <laughs> and that's essentially, that's what we're looking at. Like, uh, And did he have anything like to accompany it? Like, were there bits of bread or was well, it just... Just, just anger. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. So the ear that's perfect, are you deaf in one ear then? Yeah, pretty much so, yeah. Um, which is good when you try and get asleep and there's a noise going on. Yeah, I mean, there must be a couple of small perks, but oh, there's lo- there's, it, there is some perks. Well. I, had an, I went into hospital for an operation on my ear just a couple of years ago. Mm. I just found it intriguing because they said, we'll, we're going to do an operation because the hole seems to be bigger. Right. And then I went into hospital, and when you go into for an operation, it seems that, like, they almost ask you questions. They ask you what the operation's for, like, to see if you're cognizant with why you're there oh. and that. So the, she was saying to me, 
um, but no, the doctor came and said, so it kind of confused me because she came up to me and said, so why are you here? <laughs> and I was like, right, because uh, I'm having uh... an operation. She went, oh, right, what, what's the operation? And I was like, right. Um, got... She's gaslighting you. Yeah, I know. I was like, I've got a I've got a hole in my ear. And she's like, oh, which ear? And I was like, left ear. And then she's like, right, you can have the operation. Correct. But then, <laughs> you right? You passed the test. Yeah. But then I woke up after going into the operation, getting an anesthetic, whatever, put under. <laughs> mm. Couldn't pronounce the word. Um, then uh, they said, turns out you didn't need an operation. Your ear's fine. What? I mean, that's what happens when you let your patients decide, tell you what the operation is and why you're getting it. Yeah, it turned out that the uh, didn't have a hole in it. <laughs> so they still operated, but they didn't need to. Yeah, they, no, they didn't need to. They didn't even do the operation. They just sent me into the operating theatre. And then um, I woke <laughs> up and, uh, and woke up. And I couldn't, I felt so guilty because I was taking this bed up in the ward where, like, in a ward where there's kids who are clearly, have, you know, like, have their, you know, their legs in traction, like, different, like, basically, they've obviously been in operations. And there's yeah. just me sitting there perfectly fine saying, can I have another coffee and biscuit, please? Um, <laughs> and I thought, God, this is so embarrassing. And yeah. <laughs> So you just had the anaesthetic and then woke up. And yeah, happened. yeah. Just, uh, I felt like... Um... I used to donate blood and an old lady said to me, um, I come here all the time because you can get yourself some free biscuits and a coffee. Wow. And they were just hanging around having a chat and a coffee. Um, that's, but, uh, I mean, she wasn't in the opera. She wasn't there when I woke up from the anaesthetic. I come here all the time pretending I've got a problem with my ear, but let me diagnose myself. And when you wake up, there's a free coffee and a biscuit. So how old were you when you had that? Oh, like I had it when I was a kid. And then this that I'm telling you about now is just a couple of years ago. Oh, right. When I was, oh, oh my, I don't like my drawing of my brother, but he looks well shifty. Well, so in I a think, way, it's correct. I think we know why you've drawn. Yeah, we totally know why. So, what are you using? You've started off with paint on your fingers, and now are you drawing? Got with ink, ink tip X brushes, and basically look like Freddy Krueger. Um, but if you oh. replaced all the knives with um, drawn utensils, <laughs> the uh, Freddy Krueger just basically uh, that's the, probably my brother's nightmare. Just me yeah. chasing him through corridors with drawing utensils on all my hands. <laughs> just making him have a massive nose. Yeah. <laughs> just hunting him down, getting it, capturing not his likeness, but his deep-rooted personality. His soul. Yeah. I've gone a bit off-piste with mine. I'm using acrylics, but I'm only using, like, three colours. So I've got a dark blue and a, like, burnt umbra colour. I think it's good to go off-piste. Are you drawing your... I, I When I work with the... Um, this is another reason I tend to draw. I used to draw without... Uh, I like drawing without looking at the pictures or when yeah. I was doing life drawing with her. Because I, I used to find that there's a point where everyone stops drawing the... Um, thing they're looking at and just starts drawing the drawing. Yeah. You know, like they're kind of doing a life drawing, but they're just starting, they're not looking at the model anymore. They're just kind of almost thinking, making their drawing look pretty. Uh, so yeah. they kind of don't capture anything of the drawing, of the person. Mm. Yeah, so I kind of, not saying my drawing is... <sighs> 
I'm not saying my drawing is capturing the truth. I'm just saying everyone else's drawing is capturing a lie. Yeah. <laughs> but it's important. Looking is like the most important thing, isn't it? When you're yeah. Drawing. But um, I'm kind of at the moment at the project. I'm um, with the there's a the, there's a new guy that is really good. It's a couple of guys mm. that work come into this place I work. And they're very yeah. good at art. Um, one of them's on the new cover of the big issue. Um, or at least we had to send a biography in because we sent his work in. Because we send work in because they do a street street art. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Um, and I sent his work in. It was really good. It's like oh nice. Uh, and they liked us so much. They said, "Can we use this on the cover?" Um, oh, that's good. Yeah, I it just, is good. Um, at the same time, I was a bit like, "Oh God." What you want to do us on? Just jealous. So what's the sort of day-to-day work that you do when you're at 240 Project? Are you always organising exhibitions? Are you teaching art? Or Weirdly, Annie, this might be a horrifying notion. I accidentally, mm. and it did totally by accident, Like I went to Edinburgh one year and I came back and the manager was ill and she said, you're going to have to do it, be the manager. <laughs> so this is primarily because there was only two, me and her, to choose from. And she was ill. And um, <laughs> so, and I was like, I do not want to be the manager. And I kind of, in the end, uh, and I refu- refused. This is basically, this is a good reason why I shouldn't be the manager. My management skills are so poor, I couldn't even <laughs> not be the manager. And I was like... So what, what you're telling me is you're the manager? Yeah, right? I'm the manager. Um, but I'm <laughs> I, de- um... still desperately trying to trick someone else into being the manager. Uh, so I kind of still do art stuff, but more less. Well, occasionally, like this week, it's quite good at the moment because because of the pandemic, we've, we can only let so many people in. So the numbers mm-hmm. are so kind of restricted that I'm able to kind of sit with the artists again and just chat to them. That's good. I mean, it, at the same time, I say sit with them. I, I'm i allowed to sit um, two metres away from them and uh, yeah. try to talk to them. So um, pluses and minuses. Um, and who provides the materials? Well, we, it... we buy it all. And yeah, um, it's pretty good. We get... Uh, see, when I first got there, I went there and I, the art table was basically a stack of A4 paper and some biros mm. and I was to the manager at the time like no one's going to draw if we give them that if we don't give them good stuff because it doesn't look like we care we truly value what they're doing Yeah. so I asked for a budget to buy better material oh, nice. and then I started coaxing people over like the Pied Piper um, <laughs> but yeah I was just getting them to do Two drawings. I wasn't leading them off a cliff or anything. And uh, yeah, and then I started doing exhibitions. So it was great. And do you um, give them like themes to work for? Like, you better. I did try for a bit, but like they kind of they have their own ways of working and um, they're yeah. pretty resolute in what they're going to do. Like, there's yeah. one or two that you like will actually ask for like guidance and feedback but the best you can do is almost look at what they do do yeah and basically try to kind of say or like almost have to be more surreptitious and just say oh i like you know what you're doing there like there's an artist that does a similar kind of thing and it might like and it might help you if you look at it so you kind of just build on what they they've chose to do rather than try to re- i find re- rather than revolutionize what they're doing yeah they will just 
refute refute that. I guess because mm. they they like to believe that. I mean, why shouldn't they? But like they're adults, they kind of some of them kind of are quite proud of what they do. Yeah. So they don't want someone to just go in and denig- denigrate it and say, mm-hmm. right. Right, guys, this is shit. Let's get back to basics. <laughs> the um, there was a, there is a funny, there is a bo- someone there who it tickled me because he he likes drawing manga like stuff. I hate manga kind of cartoons and drawings. He wanted to draw a figure. We, we're talking about life drawing, and he said, um, and he just draws these kind of like manga figurines. So they've got like mm-hmm. tight. Like kind of you know basically large chests, t- tiny waists, and mu- muscular physiques, and slightly yeah. um, basically just a kind of fa- fantasized kind of. Um, but he said, um, "I don't need to draw from life. I am. I know perfectly well what women look like. You can see it in my artwork." Um, and oh, I thought, no. <laughs> I mean, I, I think we, uh, if anything, we can see the opposite in your artwork. The um, <laughs> The reason I took the job was because we like started getting the members started to give up hand in their CVs to become manager, mm. um, and it started to feel like chaos because everyone was aware there wasn't a manager. Right. So eventually, one day, I just said, "Guys, there is a manager." I'm the manager. It's like that, <laughs> that show where the secret millionaire, where he reveals himself eventually, and everyone's like, whoa. So it was you all along. It was me all along, guys. Scooby-Doo, just the unveiling bit where I pull my mask off and say, the manager was me all along. <laughs> the, um, so I kind of, yeah, took kind of control of, well, I didn't take control I kind of mm. said, right, if anyone asks, I'm manager. <laughs> but to, to the staff, I said, but between us, I'm not the manager. If anyone asks, I am. But if, Yeah. <laughs> the, um, <laughs> quite a complex arrangement. Yeah, it sounds very confusing. I mean, basically, you just get the blame. If anyone's angry, I they come they point. Um, they point at me. And then you take off another mask and you're like, I'm not the manager. Yeah. <laughs> that mask was a fake mask. Got masks for, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I've got so many masks. The, um, <laughs> the, yeah, I've got, I don't think any, I mean, I don't even pretend I'm a good manager. I, I, I share, I, I let all the members know that um, I'm quite abysmal at management, but... <laughs> I will do my best. I'm kind of almost like the American dream, you know, just <laughs> showing how far you can get. Um, yeah, make management great again. Yeah, just clambering to the clambering to the top by accident. So you're there three days a week, and then is that right? Three days. Yeah, a week? three days a week. And then the rest of the time, are you writing and drawing and like making your own work? At the moment, the pandemic has created. The pandemic. I mean, yeah, I'm kind of losing my sense of. I've always been quite good at keeping a schedule and being quite disciplined. At the moment, mm. I seem to be losing it a bit. Yeah. But um, yeah, but I do try to kind of draw, and I think I, like the my worst thing is I, I guess I'm not really um, not not because I'm old. Um, but I'm not very good at like so the I guess the current situation really accentuates the need to 
for social media, like to have a presence. Yeah. I'm pretty bad at social media. And I, I and I find it slightly kind of I, I get I find it quite depressing. Mm-hmm. It's just not nearly something I do. Yeah, yeah. So I kind of don't really know how to go about anything. I'm um I've re- one thing it has made me do is realize probably just how um how much comedy provided a kind of outlet that suited me. Yeah, you know, just basically. A kind of way to access, get access people with your work mm-hmm. with quite easily, um, rather. And also, I mean, even if in comedy, you know, you might only be doing a gig to, even in Edinburgh, even in Edinburgh, mm-hmm. after paying thousands of pounds <laughs> to, you know, to a PR company, you might just be yeah. reaching five people in a show. Yeah. But I guess it still feels like you're... You kind of there's a tangible sense of like interaction. Yeah. As much as likes and that are good, I guess in some ways you they don't you don't like feel any visceral sense of um having I don't know having interacted or got I don't I don't anyway some I guess yeah I I've not I'm not part of the matrix. What do you mean by that? Um, no, I, I just watched The Matrix the other day. And, uh, um, so you literally just mean the mention of the film? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I watched The Matrix the other day and um, was seeing how you can you can join forces with the robots and they'll give you a, a pretty cushy deal. Would you take the red pill or the uh, green, I mean, I did green or blue? I, uh, yeah, I'd mix them. I'd mix them. Create. Yeah. I, I'd, I'd nibble. I'd have half and half. Nibble <laughs> them and create. At the um, bottom of the rabbit hole. Yeah, I don't know which. Um, the spaceship doesn't look wonderful, but um, I don't know which one I'd take. I was watching it, and I like the Matrix for how Keanu Reeves. I always think begins quite convincingly when he's meant to know nothing, mm. uh, and gradually, the more he's meant to know, the worse his acting becomes. <laughs> I haven't seen it for years, actually. Uh, I, just... I, I I don't know what I, we, I, you know, it's kind of that lockdown thing of you just kind of almost um, just keep what you almost sometimes get nostalgic and think mm. um, I will revisit this. Yeah. I don't know because I want to reflect upon my life and and back when we could. Anyway, I watched the Matrix. Oil or watercolour? Uh, watercolour. Portrait or landscape? Port- oh, landscape. Portrait. <laughs> Acting or reacting? Uh, re- reacting. Can you separate the art from the artist? Yes. Tortured artist or rational postman? Uh, oh, that's like me. My brother, oh, is that <laughs> a, a tortured artist? <laughs> Talk about or think about art? Well, I probably think about it more than I talk about it. Look at a painting close up or far away. I mean, as long as it's uh, as long, not so close that you can't have it all in your eye line. I mean, um, <laughs> yeah. Composition, size. Uh, or uh, te- digitally, I'd say, get it all in the frame. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but don't have your nose, like, pressed up against it. Yeah, don't, yeah. Private view or view of privates. Oh, I'm pretty... I think I should say that neither I've had a I find private views quite um 
I find, I find the pressure to look interested too great. Yeah. Same when I'm um, looking at privates too. So um, <laughs> it's a lot of pressure. Too much pressure. Too much pressure to <laughs> um, mural or ceiling painting. Uh, uh, ceiling mural. Art or tech. Art. Art or books. Don't know. Uh, picture books. You do comic books, don't you? Um, I occasionally get do like to. I feel yeah, I do occasionally. <laughs> art or food. Um, art. Is what you do art? Uh, no, uh, no, duh. no. I kind of all think art should um, where art's defined to a degree by um, its permanence through mm. history. Um, you know, like there's fashion, which is usually a kind of transitory thing, and art, I think, kind of. Yeah, you, history will tell. So, what you think the art should be permanent or should be? I find, I think, like it, it could be whether it's design or. Um, I don't think I feel like transitory things like have a place because hmm. they usually represent the kind of process. Maybe um, so, like stand up. Yeah, but then something so then everyone knows some stand up is like good, but it's of the, it's a, of the moment, and if you but so then some stand up kind of eclipse that maybe is create has a life that exists basically exists beyond that moment. It becomes something more permanent in time, mm. pertinent and um, inspira- um inspirational, or I don't know what I'm talking about. Dicks or pussies. Um, sounds like a musical. I'll say um, <laughs> drawing. I'd say dicks because of a comic. Oh, really? they're, they're more comical. Yeah, but they're harder to draw. I'd say than the female form. Do you think so? I think so. Yeah. Whenever I've drawn them, they almost look slightly like a kind of slightly a, a water balloon that's kind of yeah. lost some of its water, and it's just. <laughs> <laughs> kind of, I think they have a quite comical look, even at their most um, mm. expressive. Or I think your drawing lends itself well to drawing dicks, actually. Yeah, my yeah, I um the, the fact is, I've not done life, I've not done an actual life drawing from like n- nude life drawings for so long. I um mm. I might re- I might I maybe would change my answer if I um, if you're faced with a but as it as it, as it is the last nude item I drew was myself. Yeah, I tend to think my 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 penis looks pretty stupid. So um, were you drawing it from a photograph or were you drawing it looking down? I have actually drawn it from looking in a mirror before. And um, oh, really? I find it the saddest. I find it the saddest <laughs> thing. <laughs> it, it feels like just finding a chick, a kind of newborn chick in a nest, and just trying to. <laughs> and you're kind of seized with a kind of pit, uh, a kind of you like Sympathy. it, but you also feel sad for it. Right. You hope it'll grow into something more impressive. <laughs> Yeah, you hope it won't be killed and eaten. The, um, yeah, the um, but I kind of yeah when I draw when I've drawn it myself, I have never. I think uh, if you ever go and send dick pics, you should have to draw it yourself. Everyone should be <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> obliged to do their own draw, drawing of themselves. <laughs> Maybe with your other hand. The, yeah, using the left, hand, the left hand, right-handed, just to steal some of yeah. 
just to give it at least a, a, a inkling of modesty and um, <laughs> yeah. um, maybe it would discourage them as well. Yeah, I think almost definitely. You did that amazing drawing for the exhibition that I put on a couple of years ago. That was uh, Blue, Blue Monday was your drawing, wasn't it? Yeah. And am I right in thinking you collaborated with someone? Yeah, well, I got Jeremy, one of the guys who used to come to the project, to... Mm. Um, to he just did it. I used to try and get him to do art, and on this occasion he just wrote a list of... seemed quite sad. Um, he wrote a list of all the all the money he owed out and called it Blue Monday um, yeah. and, and wrote Blue Monday on it because um, he was, I guess, sad about it. Um, but uh, And I'd done a drawing of him whilst he mm. was tell, do, doing this list. So I cut out my drawing and stuck it on the bottom. Um, here's a nice guy. Yeah. yeah, it's a really nice drawing. Do you, do you often collaborate with people or is that a sort of one-off? Um, no, I used to do more before I wasn't, mm. before, yeah, I, I, before I wasn't manager. Now I, um... <laughs> now you're too much of a big dog. I used to do more, yeah. I used to kind of, um, especially if I wanted to show someone what I thought they could do, I would make, like, a, a photocopy of their work mm-hmm. and then just demonstrate how I thought they could do work on it. Or I use photocopies just to like you know what I'm saying, destroy things. Yeah. Yeah. But sometimes I thought we shouldn't really destroy all their work. So I'd just make photocopies of their work and say, right, <laughs> and here's then some suggest they co- tear it up. Yeah, just it. but here's some photocopies, just do like really go to town on them. And if you yeah. don't think it works then you can always you've always got the original. Yeah, that's a good idea. But I'm not a great teacher. Most of my plans to um encourage people to create mm. something greater um, and look backfiring. I think it sounds like you are a very good, very good teacher, very encouraging and risk taking. Occasionally, and... occasionally, I'm like it's like kung fu films. Sometimes, like you get the uh, the correct pu- a sensei. One of the guys at the project calls me sensei. Um, the funny thing is, he doesn't listen to a word I say and gets angry when I'm trying to <laughs> offer him any advice. <laughs> and he still calls me sensei. But um, it's like a version of the karate kid. If um, the karate kid just kept saying to Mr. Miyagi, fuck off. The, uh, <laughs> yeah. Shut up, man. You don't know anything. The um, <laughs> sensei. The, um, <laughs> so uh, I don't uh, Every time he calls me sensei, I feel slightly like, like get that kind of imposter syndrome. Yeah. I'll, I'll put my drawing up one more time. I love it. It's so good. I love the mixture of marks. It's brilliant. It's so like graphic, but also expressive and splattery, emotional. It's it's all right. It's all right, Annie. It's not It's bit, great. It's really good. I, I put that down to you because I, I was in a bit of a foul mood this morning. So. Oh, well, I hope you're out of it now. You can I am. To talk to. Mine's a bit more twee than yours. Yours is good. You've made our um, our our um, extravagant buffet looks a little bit more Spartan in yours, but yeah, I've just done a suggestion because I thought if I started doing details of the cakes, then it would it would look too different to the rest of the painting because I haven't done much detail in your faces. So. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's minimal. <laughs> I'll tell you a good artist. To look. I like Saul Steinberg. Uh, I saw a little interview with him and he talked about how the first thing he would draw is a person with it holding a pen. Mm. From the person holding the pen, he would begin his drawing because then oh, yeah, he didn't cool. feel like he was responsible for the drawing. Um, it was the person with the pen who was responsible. Oh, that's a really nice idea. Yeah, there's a few where there's a... But he's like... Quite eclectic, but like mm. that gallery thing's great with um yeah, there's just so many different types of face in it. Yeah, they're great. I like the mixture of black and white and colour, the sort of Yeah. It's quite um, minimal. I, I found him recently, but um he's an artist like one of them people. You know, do you do this thing where you will find an artist you like mm. and spend even in comedy you do this where I do or I do this where I, I kind of almost try to find like I kind of think oh, that's what I want to be, and for a while yeah. I tried to mimic their voice, mm. and then you kind of find like like in comedy it happens, but you I guess in comedy you quickly you'll just run out. Like sometimes I used to love character comedy, so I'd watch like Colin Holt and think I want to mm. do character comedy. I can't act or do accents or voices mm. like at all. <laughs> so, um, but quickly like you find it out quicker at comedy because you just run out and think God that's not me. Yeah, yeah. In drawing, it tends to take a little bit longer because you kind of, and like, but each time, I guess, a little trace of, or like a little, something stays, like a little, Mm. like even a small bit of it stays with you. And you kind of think, well, I learned, you kind of learn something, but ultimately you probably just learn more on what you're not. Yeah, that's true. But it can come out subconsciously, can't it? Like I can look back on paintings and think, oh, that's, that thing that I've done, even if it's just like dragging paint yeah. down a canvas, looks a bit similar to that other person. That... It's a kind of interesting thing. Where I was there's a book by George Saunders. I haven't read it, but mm. within the book, my friend was telling me, um, like he talks about write. It's about writing, and he talks about how if you in writing, like prose, mm. and maybe it's in comedy as well, like um, like. The first, some people say, like, the first draft's the purest form, and that's your true, like, mm. but he argues that, uh, like, that isn't the purest form, because by drafting and redrafting and rewriting it, you're essentially finding the essence of what you care about. Mm. You know, like, uh, so he, there's an exercise where you give an, your writing group a 600-word story or something. Mm-hmm. Each give them five minutes, and in the four, five minutes they have to remove 20 or something words, 50 words. Mm. And then you keep doing this with them until it, the story ends up as 300 words. Okay. And then everyone reads out the story again, and you find yeah. out what they what that what was they felt the story was about, and the type like the oh, words that mattered cool. most to them. Yeah, because I'm not entirely. I'd never know. I was thinking about this in art, and I was trying to decide whether I felt because often I feel more. I feel the opposite with the heart. I often feel mm. like my sketchbook probably kind of represents me more yeah like if someone asks me to do a drawing or a poster or something i often think oh god i feel like the longer i spend on this poster the less of me is in it yeah because i kind of i guess you're playing to a an assumed audience or something you're trying Mm -hmm. to kind of placate someone else's um vision or whatever yeah and in a sketchbook, there's no pressure. It's for you. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's exploring what you're doing and your ideas and so things. And you're not trying to create for anyone but yourself. Yeah. 
and it's not going to go on a wall so you don't have the yeah pressure of what it's going to look like or yeah when i look perceived. back on the sketchbooks i do kind of think oh so it's a sense of a person and that um then when i look yeah. back sometimes on my finished pieces like that i've um i sometimes think wow there's a sense of me disappearing in these um, (laughs) (laughs) where have I gone Um. (laughs) lovely 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 stuff hope you enjoyed that remember to follow Richard on Instagram at Richard Todd Todd where you can see his beautifully intricate and expressive drawings Uh, check out his website as well which is should have looked this up first www.richardtoddcomedy.com you can see his work there upcoming gigs illustrations etc etc um if you want to see mine and richard's uh, drawings and paintings from today's episode then follow secret artists on instagram and twitter at secret art pod i'm on social media of course who isn't at um at just at weirdly that's my handle so check me out and have a lovely week uh, review the review review the podcast if you liked it that's always helpful and hope you're doing okay all right see you next time goodbye secret artists is a turtle canyon comedy production for acast music by alistair clayton quick fire round music by steve dunn when you make decisions for your company you look for the no-brainers and if you have a lot of mailing to do Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.